Amen. All right, the Gemara continues in Moed Katan Chaf Vav Amad Alf. Getting close to the end, only a couple more pages left. So we have to decide what we want to learn after this. It doesn't necessarily have to be Gemara. We could learn something else. Uh, I imagine we got another two, three weeks on this. So if anybody has any suggestions, let me know or else I will decide. <laughs> Just because we're learning Gemara until now doesn't mean we can't change it and do something else that might be more uh, interesting for people. Okay, we're still discussing ripping your garments upon witnessing certain events. Now we're going beyond um, witnessing people that have died. So, Sefer Torah Shenisraf Milalan. We mentioned when a, you see a Sefer Torah burning, you have to rip your garments. What's the source of that? The source is in the book of Yirmiyahu. Now, Yirmiyahu had dictated to his student Baruch ben Nuriah a very terrible prophecy of the calamities that would happen to Jewish people, meaning the impending destruction of the Beis Hamikdash. Now, that message contains what today is the first, second, and fourth chapters of Megillah Secha. What we read on Tisha B'Av, Megillah Secha, uh, so Yirmiyahu already had prophesied and had written into scrolls the first, second, and fourth chapters. This was in advance of the events that happened. Later did Yirmiyahu add the third and the fifth. So what happened was, so here comes the prophecy. The scroll, scroll was read publicly in hope that that would get the Jews to do tshuva so we wouldn't have to destroy the base of Migdash. And it made a big impact on those who heard it. Ay, ay, ay. But then when it was read in front of King Yehoiakim, what did he do? He cut the scroll. Now, that's not a whole Sefer Torah, but it was three uh, chapters worth, and he burnt it in the fire. And uh, the Gemara goes on to explain why he reacted after hearing three stanzas and four. Quote-unquote, that's what the words of the Navi says. Skomar is going to conclude the proof from the situation where they rendered, uh, uh, ripped their garments. So here, a stanza here is means a pasuk. Okay, so uh, because the by after you finish every pasuk, you pause a little bit between each verse. So anyway, so now let's get back to the pasuk. It says, Yehudi It happened when. The Yehudi read three stanzas and four. Right? Yikra'el bitar hasofer. The king cut it with a scribe's razor. Vashlech she threw it into the fire. Asher which was in the fireplace. So first of all, what does it mean three that are four? It's a very unusual wording. My Sholosh Dalsos Varbo. What does it mean three stanzas and four? Why did the king cut and burn the scroll after the reading of four stanzas? Gemara says, Amrulele Yehoyakim. The king said to Yehoyakim, Because of Yermia Sefer Kinos, Yermia wrote a book of lamentations having all these terrible verses. 
Amr Lahu, he said to Maxipe, what's written in it? So he reads, Echa Yashvabadad, alas, she sits in solitude. It's referring to Yushalayim, because the people will be in exile. Amr Yayakim said, Anamalka, I'm the king, and I'll remain in power even if many of my subjects are exiled. So you tell me, okay, people left. So, okay, I'll still be the king. Oh, we're not finished reading. Amale, so we'll go to the next passage. She weeps, weeps bitterly at night. Anamalka, I'm still the king. I won't be affected. Go, so Yehuda Meoni. And Yehuda has gone into exile among suffering. <laughs> so far, I haven't heard anything bad for me. Anamalka, I'm still the king. The roads of Zion are mourning. Anamalka, I'm still the king. Hayut Sorel, Her adversaries had become her master. That means the king's going to lose his throne. So now the king says, Man Amra, who said this? So the Pasuk continues. Ki Hashem al Rosh for Hashem has spoken of her because of her great transgressions. All right, now that was it. He didn't want to hear that message. Miyad Kudar Kol Askar Shabav is Immediately he cut out all the names of Hashem that were in the scroll and burnt them in the fire. So really, it was only after the fifth verse was read. After three stanzas and four. Okay. So Tosos, that then he reacted. So Tosos wonders why the Gemara states he cut out and burned only the names when a simple reading means he cut apart the entire scroll. Whatever. Find those questions. But, and this is what it means as it says later on in Yermiyah when it describes the burning. And they did not fear. And they did not rip their garments. Who didn't? The king and all his servants. Because they did not want to hear the message. So why does the Navi have to say the king and the servants did not rip their garments? It tells us he burnt the message. Obviously, did he believe the message? No. So therefore, he didn't feel it was a holy book. Like He wouldn't randomly take a Sefer Torah and cut it out. He knew a Sefer Torah was a holy book question is, is the writings of Eicha holy or not? Well, if the Navi tells you this is what God told me, and I'm writing it down, then it's a holy thing. But he went and ripped it up and wasn't afraid and didn't rip his garments. What does that imply? Mechlal de Boilemikro. He implies that the normal operating procedure when you see a Sefer Torah ripped up and burnt is to rip your garments. That's what we see. Once we know that a rip is required, we can apply the object, the logic of Kalvachimer, then remember we said that it should not be mended. Why? For if we rip a garment over the death of one who studied the Torah, such as your teacher, and we know that already it can't be repaired, so certainly when you rip a garment over the burning of the Torah, you may not mend it as well. And that was halacha. When you see a Sefer Torah being burnt, you rip it and you don't sew it back up. Okay, so that was that part of the b'risa. 
So now we another so the Gemara asks a question on that source. Omele Rav Papa says to Baya, well maybe the reason why they ripped it had nothing to do with the fact that a Torah scroll was being burnt. Maybe there's another reason why they ripped it. Why is that the source? Maybe because it was bad timing, bad tidings that were being discussed. And we know you rip your garment when bad tidings happened. Okay, so what's the answer to that? Omar he answered, nah, you don't got it right. Shmuas rose by Yishaitamiyavi. Were the bad tidings actually happening at that time? No, it was a prediction of future events that could have been avoided if they would have done tshuva. So it's nothing to rip your garments for yet. When you're told a prophecy that a bad thing's happening, you don't rip your garment as if it happened already because obviously the Navi wants to give us a chance to do tshuva and therefore the bad tidings don't have to happen at all. So what could be the only reason why they were ripping their garments? It's because they... uh, burnt up those parchments. Okay. Amar Rav Chalba, Amar Rav Huna, it's now related teaching, Rav Chalba says, Rav Huna, Haraya, Sefer Torah, Shenikra, a person sees a Torah scroll that is burning. Chayev, Likroa, Shtei Krios, you have to rip two rippings. Echad Alakvil, one for the parchment, Echad Alaksav, and one on the writing. Shinemar, because the Pusik says, Achare Srofa Megillah, Amelchas Megillah, the S Hadavorim. So it says, after the king had burnt the scroll and the words. Why do you have to say scroll and words? Just say scroll. A scroll has words in it, right? So it means the scroll refers to the parchment, the white. And the words refer to the script. That's what's really a both. So it applies only to a person who witnesses the burning, not anyone who hears it. Okay. So this is a very important, this is a very mystical idea over here. Because the question is, what's the white all about? So the white represents um, the part of the Torah that's not obvious. There's a certain part, we are told that, you know, when Mashiach comes, we're going to get a Torah Chadosha. We're going to get a new Torah. So, get a new Torah? Wait a minute, the Rambam holds, the Torah we have now is the only Torah we have. We're never going to get another Torah. How are we going to get another Torah? The answer is, the Torah we have now has parts we don't see. And what's that? That's the white. The white, the white has Kedusha. What if, what if you only rip the white? What if you were careful and you're cutting the white and not the letters? You still have to rip. Eye is just white. The answer is black is on the background of the white. Now, there's always a background. You don't always see the background. You always don't see the marshal. When Hashem caused the Jews to suffer in Egypt. So what did we see? We saw the black. We see what it says. There was suffering and this and that. But, but obviously Hashem doesn't just send off suffering for no reason. So Hashem's, you know, if you want to look at it mystically, let's say, there were many souls that gilgalized into the Jewish people. The four terrible generations, generation of Enosh, 
the generation of the flood, the generation of, what do you call it, Tower of Babel, and what do you call it, the generation of stone. Those were four bad generations, and those people died, and they needed tikkun. So how did they get tikkun? Those souls went into the Jewish souls in Egypt. And that's why we were really supposed to stay in Egypt 400 years. Why? 100 years for every generation to make a tikkun. And if you notice that some of the things that happen in Egypt are very clear, the tikkun. For example, the generation of the flood, the tikkun is the babies get thrown into the water. Okay? Because water for the flood, where for that? The tikkun for the generation Tower of Babel, Jews had to make bricks. So you see, there's various tikkunim that had to happen over there. So when you're looking at the story and you don't know the background to the story, you're saying, what's going on over here? How did you, what did the Jewish people do to deserve all this? The answer is there's many tikkunim that are happening that you don't understand. There's a background. What's the background? That's the white. So when Mashiach will come, then Hashem's going to be a new Torah. It's not a new Torah to us but not a new Torah to what exactly is. When Hashem told Moshe to write the Torah the first time, the parchment is the part of the story behind. As a matter of fact, if you know, if you would, uh, if you would remove all the letters and you look around the letters, there's different things that are formed. You know, you know what I'm talking about? You know, you know those pictures that give you the uh, two ways to look at the picture? There's a picture where you have, like, it's like two, it seems like two vases are there, but in between, if you, it's like a face. So that's really what the white, the white, if you took out the black, says something. Because there's a new form that's created from the white. You think the white is just white. And now you put some black on top of the white. Well, that's what we did. But if you would remove the black, it would create edges, right, for the white would express certain things. So now, so that is part of the Torah. So that part we don't know. We don't understand how to, how to analyze taking out the black and look at that. Maybe it's a, a different language, whatever it is, but that's a language that was given right at Sinai and Hashem knew exactly what the white is saying. That he didn't tell us. Mashiach comes going to tell it to us. Therefore, when you see a Sefer Torah being burnt, it's burnt for the white and the black. That's the idea. So that's why you're ripping twice, because that white has a tremendous amount of Kedusha as well. Okay. Rabbi Abba, next related story. Rabbi Abba, Ravuna, Barchia, Haviyasvi. These rabbis were sitting down, Kameda, Rabbi Abba, in front, uh, and then, uh, come, I'm sorry, come Rabbi Abba. Rabbi Abba got up, Ba Lafnuye, he wanted to relieve himself. So what did he do? Shakle Litotov say He removed his tefillin and paste put them on a cushion. Okay, don't bring your tefillin into the washroom. An ostrich came along and wanted to swallow it. My goodness. Omar, Ravava said, Hashta Now, had he swallowed it, they stopped him. But had he swallowed it, I would have been obligated to rip my garments twice. One over the parchment and one over the script. 
because the Torah passages are in the Tefillin. So even the destruction of a single passage of the Torah calls for its ripping, as you see from Yehoiakim, who did it only after a little part of the scroll of Megillus Echa. Now, even though the ostrich would have eaten the tefillin and not burnt them, still we'd have to rip it, regardless of how it gets destroyed. The typical way is it gets burnt. But it doesn't have to be that, Nebuch. If, you, if let's say, you, you, uh, a Nazi put it into a shredder, you would also rip. So if an ostrich swallows it, then you'd have to uh, uh, rip twice as well. So that's what the rabbi said. So Armelis Rav Hunabachia said to him, Minolocha, how do you know that? So he says, Vaha bidide havuvta, why such an incident occurred by me? For us, the commander of Masna, similar story came before of Masna, and they said, and I asked him, what do I have to do? And he didn't know. He didn't know what to do. And also the commander of Yehuda, and then they came before Rabbi Yehuda with my question. For Omer Lee, and he said, This is what Shmuel said. Lo Amru, the only time we say that you're required to rip your garments is Ella Bisroa, when it was forcibly destroyed. as it occurred with the story that Yehoiakim, who purposefully ripped it up, but where the destruction happens by accident. You don't have to do that. So he asked the question, why are you telling me, you know, we would have had to fast? When I asked the question, said not like that. Now, the the reason why when you see the destruction of the Torah, you have to rip your garments is you've witnessed the desecration of God's honor. That only happens when a wicked person does it, not when an accident. So very interesting. And that is the halacha. So therefore, let's say, a fire happened, accidental fire. Okay, so no one was trying to desecrate Hashem's name. So then you wouldn't have to rip your garment. Or let's say a flood. Nebuch, you heard years ago, remember the floods in the Northeast where shuls got flooded and some of the safer Torahs got damaged and things like that. Or if an ostrich would eat it. Uh, okay, so uh, then we wouldn't do it because it wasn't intentional to uh, destroy that. The source is the stories that we see. Okay, that takes care of a Sefer Torah. Next, the Brysa said earlier, Are Yehuda, when you see the Yehuda, the ruins of Yehuda, you have to rip your garments. Dichsiv, as the Pesach says, during the times of the destruction, people came from Shechem, Mishilo, from Shiloh, Umishomer, from the Shomron, which was north of Jerusalem, and how many people came? Shmonim ish, 80 men, Megulche Zokon, with shaven beards, who vegodim and ripped garments, who misguided him and having cut their flesh. And also, with offerings and frankincense in their hands to bring to the base of Migdash. They were bringing offerings because they were unaware the temple was destroyed. But, they ripped their garments upon seeing the destroyed cities of Yehuda. In other words, these people came. Remember, no communications in those days. You live up north, you have no idea what's happening in Jerusalem. Figure, oh, it's time to go visit the base of Megdash. And they come, and they were coming from the north, 
And now they came, and as they were coming to the base of Migdash, they saw their garments were ripped. Okay? So, because upon seeing, no, because they saw Shem, Shilon, Shomrom uh, were not part of Judea. Rather, it means they came from those areas, right? And when they came to Mitzvah, that overlooks, and you can see Yehuda. Since we learn from here that one who sees the ruined city of Judea must rend, we derive logically that obviously you have to rip your garments if you see Jerusalem and the temple that is destroyed. As for the rule that the ripping may never be mended, this is based on the fact that the verse says 80 men were begotten with ripped garments. They still had ripped garments, which implies they were permanently ripped. In other words, why did they have to have ripped garments? They could have had sewed up garments. They saw it, they ripped, and then just sewed it back up. But since they were, as they came to Jerusalem, they still were ripped. It's clear they did not sew them back together. Amar Abchelba, Amar Ula, Biro, Amar Rabbi Lazar. Abchelba said the name of Ula Biro, who said the name of Rabbi Lazar. Haroa Ari Yehuda Bechorbanon. Anyone who sees the cities of Judea in their destroyed state, meaning as long as under foreign occupancy. Even if they've been physically built up and even if Jews live in it, but it's still non-Jews are in control. First you make a statement. Omer, you say a Pasuk and Isaiah. Your holy cities have become a wilderness. Then and then you rip the garment. When you come to your Shalayim, what do you do? You say, Tzion Midbar HaYesah Yerushalayim Shmama. Zion has become a wilderness, Jerusalem a wasteland, Vikorea, and you rip your garments. Beis HaMikdash Bechurbano, when you see the Beis HaMikdash in its destroyed state, Omer, you say, Beis Kotshenu Vesifartenu, Asher Hilelucha Voseinu, the temple of our holiness and our splendor where our fathers praised you, has become burnt up. And that which was so coveted by us, has become destroyed. And then you rip your garments. Okay. So, and that is still the halacha, as we discussed in the SCP class. That uh, Now, you don't have to do it over the cities of Yehuda, because now they're in Jewish control. So therefore, you don't have to rip when you see that. But when you do see Yerushalayim, uh, even though, and that, the base of Megas is still destroyed, and Yerushalayim, so there's a big discussion. So we went through all the details, what, what you say and what you do, and when you rip. Okay, oh, so we still have a little bit more to go on the next section, where we can do the last part of the Brisa. Korea al-Mikdash, you rip on the base of Mikdash, Umosif al Yerushalayim. Now you add, you rip again with Yerushalayim. So the question is, well, what do you see first? For Amino, but I'm going to ask you a question. Echad hashomea. Doesn't matter where someone hears about the destruction of the temple. The echad haroa, or whether one person sees the ruins, you're required to rip your garment. Even Shagil at Sophim, once you come to Mount Scopus, Korea, you rip your garment. Now, Tzofim is a village near Yerushalayim where you could see the temple site. Even if one can discern the temple ruins before he arrives at Tzofim, he should not rip his garments until then, but should wait until Tzofim. Okay. Okay. Fine. If you, like, I've been on a bus going from Yerushalayim to Malay Lumi, 
He goes right through her. Puts her feet. And, and I don't look out the window because I haven't uh, been to reach a lion yet. But should I be doing that since I'm doing that first? Okay, so we'll talk about that. Because you can see everything. From right? You see the whole gold dome and everything from that. For Korea al Mikdash Bifneyatsmo, you must rip your garment for the base of Mikdash by itself. Value Shalayim Bifneyatsmo. And for Shalayim by itself, so the Brysa says you have to rip for your Shalayim, and it's not enough to just extend. The first Brysa says you extend. This one says you do two separate drippings. More answers. Low Kasha, it's not a Kasha. The ha the pug of English the Bryce is speaking where you first saw the temple runes first and those of Yerushalayim later. For example, he enters Yerushalayim in a closed carriage and does not see its runes until after he's seen the temple runes. Or your case, it's sufficient to rend his garment over the temple runes and then extend it over Yerushalayim because the temple is the more important one. So you see that first, that's the main rip. Okay, now you're Shalim, okay, you extend it. But the opposite, but if you see Yerushalayim first, then you need two rippings. Okay, if he's not enclosed in a carriage and sees the city's ruins upon entering it, he immediately has to rip his garment. When he later sees the temple in ruins, it's not enough to extend it because the temple has its own cheshivas. The Rambam says that one who approaches Yerushalayim from the Judean desert in the east sees the temple site before he can see the city of Yerushalayim because the temple mounts on the eastern end of the city. He rends immediately and merely extends the rent when he later observes the ruins of the city. One who approaches from other directions sees the ruins of the city before those of the temple. He must render his garment twice. Okay. Uh, one second. What? There is really no ruins when you enter the city. It's, it's, the the, the Mikdash is in there, so you're real. But yeah, when you get into so, Yerushalayim. So, one second. So, let's go back to the notes we had over here. There it is. Right here on the page. So, we, we concluded as follows. Remember, we brought the whole schmooze over there. So, we brought at the end. So if it, this, first of all, it's only if you haven't seen Yerushalayim for 30 days. That's the first time doing that. So according to Rabbi Shlomo Salman Arbach, you need to perform Kriya when you see the old city and then perform another Kriya when you see the Koto. As this Gemara says, right? I, according to Rabbi Moshe, you need to perform Kriya only once when seeing the Koto. Okay. Lamaisa Rav Sternbach writes the custom is not to tear when seeing the city of Yerushalayim. The one tearing at the Kotel, one should have in mind both the base of Migdash and Yerushalayim. Okay, so that, so um, the, the point of the matter is, uh, as opposed to the Hare Yehuda, which are just, the, just cities in Yehuda, well, okay, that we really have back. Yerushalayim, though, is another story because there's all kinds of inyanim of Kedusha in Yerushalayim and things like that. So, first of all, we don't really have all of Yerushalayim. Three quarters of it is not Jew- Jewish. Right? You mean the other quarters in the yeah, city? Yeah. So, three, that's Yerushalayim. Yeah. That is the old city. But I mean, you know, so we don't. an apartment in the old city, $2 million probably. I understand, but we don't have full control of that area. We really don't. So therefore, it's it's still in a uh, in a state of 
it's not destroyed, but it does not have the same kedusha and all those halachas that would relate to it. Like you know, we we, we don't need any korbanos in Yerushalayim. So, so we don't have to base some meat. The control, we saying, does have the kedusha, so we don't rip. Is that what you're saying? Misunderstand. Yeah, Ori Yehuda. Yeah, right. So there we don't rip by Ori Yehuda. But your Shalayim doesn't have, first of all, it doesn't have the Kedusha. Ori Yehuda didn't have to have any Kedusha. The walled city had a certain Kedusha that it had, and we were able to do things there, like eat Korbanos, Gedir Korban Shalom Yerushalayim. Can't do that now. So that's why there seems to be different opinions if if you still rip for that. Uh, for for Yerushalayim, that's why Rav Moshe Sternbach says don't don't rip when you see Yerushalayim, just when you see the Kotel. But there's different opinions on that. I mean, Yerushalayim now is not what Yerushalayim was when we had a base Mikdash. That that's for sure not. Okay, but and the Ori Yehuda didn't really have any special kedusha. It was just a question of it being destroyed. So that so let there's three levels of suffering, so to speak. Ori Yehuda the least. Yerushalayim next, based on Mikdash most. Okay, well, based on Mikdash, there's nothing to discuss. We don't have one. Ari Yehuda, nothing to discuss. We have the Ari Yehuda. Yerushalayim, that becomes iffy. Because, yeah, we, te- we technically have control, yes, but we don't technically have control. Well, I'll tell you very simple. How many people walk through the Arab quarter? Okay, so that means we don't have control, do we? I understand, but we don't really have control, so that becomes the issue over there. Okay, we'll stop it over here. But you should rip when you go to Israel. You should rip. Okay, shkoyach, everybody.